0: Well, good morning. Um, I it feels like I haven't been up here in a long time, and I realized I haven't been here since July. Like I've been here at Meridian, but not on stage, getting to teach and share, um, which feels like a long time for me because normally I'm on about once a month, and so just with my schedule and the church schedule, I haven't been here in a long time. So I'm really excited to share with you this morning. And we are in a series called First Things First. And I've been looking forward to this for a really long time too. We've had this series planned since January or February. We've known kind of what we want to talk about here in October. And I think it's so important for and healthy for a church to take some intentional time and figure out our starting points, right? Figure out what's important to us. Where do we begin? And it actually got Pastor Daniel and me thinking about my starting point here at Meridian. Some of you might remember, but in April of 2021, Pastor Daniel let some random 20-something-year-old girl who was one semester into her ordination process uh, up on stage to teach Spoiler alert, that girl was me. And uh, I poured a lot of effort and research into that sermon. And I prayed that one life would be changed by that message. But little did I know that 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 sermon would change my life. (laughs) I would be that one life. Um, see that one little message caused pastor Daniel and Jenny to seek me out and get me on staff here. And if I knew that day that I was preaching as my first stop in a job interview, uh, I would have been way more nervous. Uh, but two and a half years later, here I am. Right? So the thing that I, hope that you have all learned to love about me, is that I am willing to make people a little bit uncomfortable if I think it'll help us all grow. And that's kind of what people thought about my very first message here. I heard some people say, well, that was kind of brave of you, or wow, like you said all that your first time on stage, which I didn't understand. But looking back on this series, I can understand why it's sometimes when we look at when we're not putting the first things first in our lives as a church, sometimes that can feel really uncomfortable. And uh, But we wanna, we're in this idea, we're in this series of putting the first things first. What do we need to focus on as a church in order to be healthy? And this uh, message came to mind, and Pastor Daniel asked me if I would do that one little message again. And so we're going to kind of go back and review what I talked about those two and a half years ago. So, Here's the thing. We're going to go back to the early church. We're going to learn a lesson from them. And I believe that one verse in Acts can set us on a path to be a healthy church that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are calling us to be. This idea came from a large information spiral slash spiritual scavenger hunt that I went on one day after a Zoom Bible study that some of the young adults were a part of. We were going through a book called Letters to the Church by Francis Chan. And last time I said this, and I will say it again, if you don't like this message, don't blame me. Blame Francis Chan, okay? Um, So if you don't know who Francis Chan is, he is a very successful Christian pastor, author, and influencer. And in this book, he starts to tell the story of a small house church that he was leading with his wife in his home with some friends. It was just a small gathering of people praying together, studying the word, supporting each other out of their own homes. And this church began to grow and grow and grow, and it grew exponentially until years later they were running a mega church with multiple campuses and multiple services, and it looks like this huge success story with Francis Chan as the marvelous hero who led this church to a historic time of growth. But over time, Chan began to look around his church, and he realized he, in fact, did not build a church. He built a Francis Chan fan club, right? Thousands and thousands of people were coming to hear the amazing pastor, author, and influencer speak. They were not coming to hear the gospel of Jesus being proclaimed. And they were definitely not coming to be a part of a larger community. And he started processing all that had gone wrong. And he realized he needed to leave. So he left the church. And not only did he leave the church, he left the country. And he started thinking through how did something so healthy at the beginning grow to be something so big and look successful but was really really harmful to a lot of people. And it all boiled down to this. He started putting all of the wrong things first. But, this idea did not start in the 21st century. We didn't all of a sudden start to get it wrong here in, at the turn of you know, the 2000s, right? Because even if we look at church history at a 30,000 foot view, we can see that we had a few good years of the early church, and then we quickly started using the name of Jesus as a political tool um, to rally troops, invade land, and gain power. And while so many good things have been done in church history and in the name of Christ, there's been a lot of unhealthy things too. And unfortunately, we see this thread of not prioritizing the right things, or worse, exploiting uh, what we have over other people and using the word of God to justify it. See, the church has been involved in numerous different forms of slavery, war, theft, and many other horrible things. Today, we see our churches torn apart by political affiliations or styles of worship, right? And if we look at the state of the American church today, we can feel really lost. And I think we have this temptation. When the church looks bad, we want to blame the world because the world is so corrupt. But the world has always been bad, right? Right? And so if the church isn't healthy, we, ha- we can't look outside the church for the problem. We have to look inside the church for the problem. And we have to take a page out of Francis Chan's book and say, maybe we are the problem. Maybe I'm a part of the problem, right? And maybe we haven't been putting the first things first. And that can sound really scary, and that can be a really sad place to be. And it leaves us wondering, is there hope for the church? Is there hope for the church? And I'm here to say, yes, of course there's hope for the church. But why is that? Why do we know that there's hope for the church even in a state of turmoil, right? And that's because... A long time ago, a ragtag group of fishermen and tax collectors and tent makers and more uh, were used to start a global movement that had the capacity to bring hope and joy to a world full of death and darkness. And that means that God can use us, too, right? Even in the darkest of times, hope can still be found. Even when we feel adrift and lack direction, if we keep the first things first, we can see real change in our church and in our community. And it all starts with one of my favorite Bible stories, okay? And that is Pentecost. So if any of you know me, you know I love talking about Pentecost, okay? So before we get into our scripture today, it is time for everyone's favorite part of the sermon Bible Stories with Emily the part of the show where Emily comes out and tells a Bible story. So our stage is set in Jerusalem and Jesus has just ascended into heaven. So it was Easter and he rose from the grave and he talked to his disciples and he taught them a little bit more and then he rose into heaven um, and he said, stay put. Don't go anywhere. Don't leave, right? And he said the Holy Spirit was on his way and don't do anything anything until the Holy Spirit gets there. And if that's not a lesson all on its own, I don't know what is, right? So they're in Jerusalem and it's during Shavat or the Festival of Weeks, which is one of three pilgrimage feasts. So Jewish people from all over the world had to travel to Jerusalem into the temple to celebrate this time here. And while the disciples were at the temple, um, a large sound started gathering, and it sounded like a wind rushing through, and a big fire came down from heaven, and it split up, and it fell on the heads of all of the disciples there, and they started speaking in different languages that were the native languages of all of the other travelers there. So they started hearing Jesus and God and the Spirit being proclaimed in their own native tongue. And then Peter, along with the other 11 disciples, gets up and gives the first sermon with the complete story of the gospel that we know today, with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then 3,000 people came to believe in Jesus that day. Right? But then, immediately after that sermon, we come to a little itty-bitty baby verse, and it is so easy to skip over, but I think it's super important. And in fact, I think it's so important That it's the only verse that I'm going to teach on today. Acts 242 highlights four things that early believers did. And it sets them up the right way. They put the first things first in these four verses, or in these one four things in one verse. So, before I read this, I want to give you a heads up. I'm going to be asking you to pick one of these four things that I'm going to talk about. And I want you to pick one of these things to start putting first in your life again. All right. And these four things might make you feel a little bit uncomfortable because I'm going to ask you to pick the thing that you're not good at. And if you're like me, you don't like talking about things that you're not good at. Um, And that's okay. I think it's okay to be a little bit uncomfortable. And if you feel like a little kind of way about something that might be an indicator that that's the one thing that you need to focus on, but we're all doing this together. So we'll all be kind of in this uncomfortable boat all at the same time. Right. Does that sound good? So you're picking one of the four. So before we dive into the word, I just want to pray over the word, uh, and then we'll get started. So, dear Lord, thank you for today, and thank you for your word. Thank you that in the midst of all of the crazy and hardships we have, your word to guide us and lead us. God, I pray that you will speak through me. I pray that the words that I speak, that you've empowered me to speak, will fall on good soil, and we can grow into something really healthy and beautiful for you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, so I'm reading out of the New American Standard Bible, which, to be fair, is not the easiest to read, but it gets as close to the original text as you can get while still somewhat making sense in English. Um, and the one thing that I like about this version is that it separate the most other versions will separate this verse from Peter's sermon, but this one includes this piece of scripture, this one verse. It actually includes that as the Ending section of Peter's sermon. Um, so, but if you have like an NIV, this section might start a whole, this verse might start a whole new section for you. Um, and I think it's interesting because this verse is actually a continuation of what the people did immediately after they were baptized and added to the church on the day of Pentecost. And That doesn't necessarily have to mean anything significant to you, but I think that it's really cool, so I just wanted to note it. Um, But this is immediately after they got baptized. They did these four things. So let's read it. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So we're going to break this down phrase by phrase. So the first phrase is, they were continually devoting themselves to... The Greek phrase for this implies that there's a level of perseverance through hardship. So it was a fight, right? This wasn't something that came naturally. It was something they had to strive for. And again, these weren't just four things they did because they had the time to do them. They flipped their lives upside down. They rearranged it and reoriented it so that these four things would come first in their life. Sometimes our temptation is to say, well, I don't have time to do all of those things, right? But I hate to break it to you, the lives of people 2,000 years ago were also really busy. They might not be the same kind of busy that you are, but they also had stuff to do. They had lives before this happened. And they had to intentionally devote themselves to these things. It was a sacrifice. It was an offering. They rearranged their lives to highlight these four things, day in and day out continuously devoted so as we're going through our four things let's keep that in mind this isn't just something that they like kind of do sometimes when it's convenient right this is something they worked for it's something they made a priority it's the first things they put first all right so first thing they continued continually devoted themselves to the apostles teaching now this would have looked really different for the early church than it looks for us now For starters, there were a lot less people who knew enough to teach the gospel at more than just a basic level, and this is largely because uh, people, their access to scripture was really limited. It was a lot on scrolls, and if your town had to be lucky enough to have a copy of whatever scroll was being passed around, and then even if you had a copy of those scrolls, you had to have someone there who knew how to read the scrolls and interpret the scrolls. So it was kind of a process to get through that. And not only did you have someone who, You had to have someone who understood it. You had to have someone who was willing to teach it with this new perspective of Jesus as the Messiah, right? So it was hard to have access to Scripture. So when the apostles were coming into town, they were the ones who probably knew the most about this Jesus guy. You had to physically, they were packed into these houses, and they had to physically lean in to hear the apostles' teaching. So they had to take time out of their day. They had to stop work. They had to, you know, put aside their family time even to come and listen to the apostles as they were traveling around. And another thing that's different for us is we have access to the New Testament, right? We have written access to the accounts of what Jesus and the early church was like. And not only that, we have access to it in a lot of different translations. So if we don't like one translation we're reading, we can switch to another different English translation and see if we like that version better. And we have access to it wherever we go on our phones. We have an internet full of podcasts and commentaries and videos to help us learn. These people were working out theology in real time, right? They didn't have commentaries they could just pull up. Like, they were the commentaries, right? They were trying to figure it out in real time, and people were trying to write down what they said as fast as they could so when the apostles left, they still had something to study. So they were truly doing it as they went, right? They were figuring out theology as they went. We live in a world where we have much more access to the apostles teaching but we live in such a noisier world, right? So many other things are vying for our time and attention. One of the first things that we need to put first though is leaning into the teachings of the scriptures, either here in church or in your personal studies in your quiet time. Some of us take our teachers and our tools for granted. We need to continually devote ourselves to making this time happen. We need to physically lean in to the apostles' teaching. And I am so proud of the people who have been a part of the Bible reading plan that Jenny Miller um, has headed up. A way to lean in and continually devote yourselves to the apostles' teaching. But some of us, me included, need to ask ourselves, are we leaning into the word of God regularly? If we're honest, are we devoted to the apostles' teachings? If not, what is your plan to put that first in your life? All right, that was thing one. We're going on to the next thing. So they continually devoted themselves to fellowship. So these people were all up in each other's business, okay, in a good way right? They knew how each other's work was. They knew how their health was doing. If their kids played peewee soccer, they knew how, uh, they knew the scores to those games, okay? They knew it because they were, they were in community with each other, right? Fellowship is just genuinely pursuing Christian friendships and friendships that are real and honest and safe. Um, and they made a difference in their faith, right? Would you believe it? Not doing life all on your own actually makes life easier? I know that's a crazy concept to think about, but you're not designed to do it all by yourself. You need community. And I know this is a tough question to ask, but do you have genuine Christian friendship? Do you regularly hang out with people in this congregation outside of these four walls? I know it's awkward, but some of us, and again, this has been me at certain times in my life, need to go up and tell someone, like, hey, can we be friends, right? I know that's kindergarten and that's silly, but it's real. It's real life, right? It's effective. Don't wait thinking that community will find you, right? Devote yourself to going and finding community, if you see someone else who is by themselves along the way, bring them with you as you try to find community, right? We can't just sit around and hope someone will find us, right? We need to be continually devoting ourselves to seeking out community. And that can be scary because we feel like, well, what if they don't like me? Or what if we like different things? Or what if they don't like my house? Or, it, but it's okay. It's going to work out, I promise. But we have to continually devote ourselves to pursuing that Christian friendship, But here's the thing. Please don't leave this place thinking that you don't need fellowship with your church family. Luke, the author of Acts, listed this for a reason. It's because you need it, right? Sometimes it feels indulgent to devote our time to just spending time with friends. But it's important, and it needs attention in your life. So church, are you devoted to fellowship? All right, third thing. They continually devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. Now, often we think this is referring to communion or the Holy Eucharist. And I think that's true. I think, well, I know for a fact that the early church took communion together. They practiced this idea of holy communion. But if we look at other places where the breaking of bread faced is used in the Bible, we can see that it is frequently used to describe any shared meal. And I won't spend too long here, but I know you all know how important I think food is uh, to the ministry specifically. Uh, For goodness sake, I preached a whole sermon on food and eating in May. And if you think I'm joking, I assure you I am not. I really did that. Um, But here's the thing. It's so important because Jesus made it important right? Jesus made sharing meals with other people uh, so important in his life and such a priority in his life that his critics called him a glutton, okay? He was always eating, and he was not eating by himself. He was eating with others. He was eating with his disciples, so it makes So much sense that when it was the disciples' turn to take over here on earth in the earthly ministry, they kept that community meal a priority, right? Because Jesus modeled for them. Jesus showed them day in, day out, sharing a meal with others is important, right? Conversations happen over food. It's something we all need, we all crave, and we can all relate to. Life happens over a shared meal. So did you know that every Thursday in Newcastle, Nick and Katie Thomas prepare a meal for any young adult who wants to come and eat. We pack ourselves into their little house on 12th Street, and we eat together. And we talk. We play games. We watch football. And this little meeting, where the Bible might not even ever be mentioned, uh, is where Holy Communion is happening. Now, is it easy for all of us to drive there? No. But do we do it? Yeah. Yeah. And I guarantee you that all of us who go say that it's worth it. Thomas Thursdays are where the church is getting healthier. It's where the church is getting stronger, right? Thursday night over biscuits and gravy. That's what we had on Thursday, right? The church is growing. (laughs) So here's the thing. I asked you this in May, but I'm going to ask you again. Are you sharing meals with people outside of your home? right? Theoretically, you eat 21 meals a week, and I guarantee you, you can find one of those to share with someone else in the body of Christ. Are you devoted to breaking bread with other followers? So, my last one. They continually devoted themselves to prayer. Okay, I'll be honest. This one is really hard for me. This is the one I need to work on. I already knew. This is the one I need to pick, okay? Because if I'm honest, my prayer life is not great, Um, I love praying for other people and other people's problems. But when it comes to my life, I do not like asking God for things for me. Just like a personal hang-up I have. And I do not like telling God how I feel about things. Um, In my mind, I don't want God to know too much about me. Which, in hindsight, I know that's like not a real thing, right? Because God made me, and he's my creator, and he knows everything about me. But in my mind, I think, well, if I don't tell him, he won't know. Um, but it's something I'm working on and it's something that I'm really trying to grow in. Again, we all need to pick one thing to put first, right? But what's beautiful is that while I'm going, I'm growing and I'm learning how to pray for myself and while I'm praying for other people, if the church is continually devoting themselves to prayer, other people are praying for me, right? Right? So it's like even when I'm struggling to pray for myself, if the church is continually devoting themselves to prayer, other people will pray for me even when I feel like I can't, right? And that's the beautiful thing about when we start to devote ourselves to this, when we devote ourselves to community or the apostles' teachings or prayer or fellowship. When we're bad at it, if the church as a whole is continually devoting themselves to it, we will lift each other up along the way we will bring everybody around us up with us. And that's how I feel in prayer, because believe me, I feel the prayers that other people have prayed for me, right? So when we're devoted to prayer, we're more in tune with the direction and the calling of the Spirit. We are more focused on where God is calling us and less focused on where we want to go. We're given direction. And Not just one prayer here or there, right? We have to be continually devoting ourselves to prayer. So church, are we devoted to spending time with the Lord in prayer? So as the band comes back up, I'm going to wrap up. Um, And I want to say a couple things. So let's reread this again. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Four things. These four things are a formula that we can easily follow today, things that I believe can change a community for the better, change a church for the better, change the kingdom for the better. Now, will devoting ourselves to these four things fix all of our brokenness? Probably not, right? That would be really easy. But it's not a bad place to start. And in fact, I think it's the best place to start. Because a church that's devoted themselves to these four things is a church that I want to be a part of, right? I want to see that church grow. And not just grow in number, but grow in health. So I want you to pick one, and I want you to run with it. And I want you to run with it until you run into the Holy Spirit. And I want you to run with it until you run into a healthy church. Bow your heads and pray with me. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for even the smallest of verses that mean so much to us. Thank you for uh, teaching your apostles while you were here on earth to devote themselves to the right things, but the first things first. And I pray that as we enter into this time of reflection, that you will help us find that one way that we can devote our lives to you, that we can put the first things first back in our lives. God, I pray that you will help us uh, as we grow, but help us help each other, God. Help us grow a community of believers that is devoted to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. God, we know with you all things are possible, and we know that a healthy church and a healthy kingdom is a realistic thing that we could achieve, God, but we can't do it without you. So I pray that your spirit feels welcome here to move in us and move through us as we grow and learn more who you're calling us to be. We'll give you all the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.